Hi, Nancy. Hi, Shane. It's good seeing you, as good always. Seeing you via <laughs> video again. Yes. Hello. I know. I know. Uh, so, so we're in still in a pandemic, but uh, are you? Do you mind me asking? Are you vaccinated? Um, no, fine to ask. Yes, um, got my second vaccine last weekend, so by this coming weekend, I'll be good to go. I guess. Uh, that's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself. Yes. Yeah. We we were we did a two shot one, uh, my partner and I, and we actually yesterday, as of this recording, was our two weeks. So we're nice. officially out in the world. Um, what's your? So I want to ask you, what's your? What are you gonna do? Like, what's on your list? The first thing you're doing once. You can. <laughs> we were talking about that, and I think it's like we're still kind of like, you know, you're still kind of hesitant to do things sure. even so, which is kind of funny. But uh, we are planning to go up a trip to see my mom. haven't seen oh, her okay. in, you know, over a year or whatever it is. So I'm um, going up in a couple weeks to see her. So that would be nice. We can actually like, you know, go inside and have dinner yeah. and hang out. So yeah. yeah. What about you? Do you guys have – were you like we're doing this when we're good to go? I want to go to the draft house. Oh, you see a movie? <laughs> or something, yeah. Yeah, so Nancy and I live close to each other uh, outside of D.C., and there's this theater that's a staple in our neighborhood, and it's like a dinner theater type thing. You can see movies or shows or whatever, and I haven't been there in, yeah, like a year and a half. Um, and they're doing, like, small capacity and all of that, but, yeah, I think... I think we're going to try to do something coming up soon. Try nice. to make the best of it. <laughs> yeah, we talked about, um, you know, Dune is coming up uh, oh, in the man. fall. And so Richard's like biggest Dune fan. So definitely go to the movies, which was a regular staple of ours. So yeah, yeah. same. Maybe we'll make a, we'll make a post-pan, or at least for us, post-pandemic date of it. Yes. Welcome to the American Geophysical Union's podcast about the scientists and the methods behind the science. These are the stories you won't read in the manuscript or hear in a lecture. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Nancy Bompey. And this is Third Pod from the Sun. Okay, so we're, we don't need to regale everyone with our plans, uh, Nancy. We can take that as the, the corporate folks say offline. Oh, I'm, I'm disgusted <laughs> at myself. <laughs> I, wish, I wish people could see the face I just made. Uh, but but we are talking about the pandemic, not just because we're in it, uh, but because our story for today is about another type of, I guess, non-human pandemic? Another type of Outbreak. Disease. It was a, out, yeah, 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 yeah. Disease outbreak, I guess. Right. And so it's bird flu. So uh, to bring us more on this, we want to bring in the producer for this episode, Kelly McCarthy. Hi, Shane. How are you? Hi, Nancy. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, why don't you just let us know what we're chatting about today? Yeah, so at the European Geosciences meeting in 2019, we sat down with a virologist turned member of the Italian parliament who's going to talk about her science and kind of her path today. Hello, my name is Ilaria Capua. Ilaria is the Italian for Hillary. It helps people remember. <laughs> I am the director of the One Health Center of Excellence at the University of Florida in Gainesville. My favorite virus and the virus 
viruses, I would say, that I spent most of my, my career working with are influenza viruses. I was um, very active during the bird flu crisis, which occurred around the mid-2000s, and actually bird flu is still a significant problem in, in many parts of the world. China mobilizes resources to combat a new strain of bird flu after a third death is reported, while fears spread wider and faster than the disease itself. Two-thirds of the 400 people who've contracted bird flu have died. And um, thanks to European leadership uh, in their research division, my group, which was based in Padova in Italy, became uh, over the years one of the leading groups in influenza viruses that could jump from animals to humans. And we were very active. I love this idea. This is like the scientific ideal, this um, collaborations and people working together coming to solve this like giant problem. This is how this is exactly how it's supposed to work, right? Exactly how it's <laughs> supposed to work. Except as with any well-intentioned plan, uh, people can misinterpret things and there can be some unintended negative outcomes. As it happens in life, um, you get sometimes unexpected requests. And um, in 2013, I was asked by the prime minister in office at the time to run for election in the national elections. And the reason why I was asked was because at the time, Mario Monti uh, recognized that there was a very significant need of, of people coming from different areas of society and who were successful in their field to join the political debate. And so I agreed to do it. I ran for election and I was elected. Were there any other scientists um, who were running at that time? No, I was the only one who was running at that time. Um, and I was, you know, very flattered that I was elected and I was very, very motivated to do things um, around a, a more meritocratic approach to science, around improving the way that funding was allocated, again, trying to do, do things from a more meritocratic point of view. And then I was working on topics of relevance to me and of my areas of expertise, so mainly on emerging infections. Suddenly, I was phoned up by a journalist and I was informed that there was this criminal case and that I was believed to be the criminal mind behind an illegal traffic of viruses and that I was being, I was basically uh, trying to make personal profits out of my scientific profession. And of course this wasn't, I mean, this wasn't true and, and um, the, let's say, the, the criminal court case ended um, two and a half after, two and a half years after the information was leaked to the press with verdict which was that the facts never existed and therefore there was no case to answer and actually that most of the facts 
that were narrated in the legal documents were non-existent or reality had been mm -hmm. transformed. I can't imagine one being elected as a, a policymaker. That's just like the attack, the prime minister just being like, you should run for yeah, government. Right. Like, and and you you're go. the only scientist on this board of people. So <laughs> right. sure. And you win. Yeah. And then during this process, being accused of something that you didn't do or like. Right. And being in that whole situation is just wow. Yeah. Very frustrating. I had decided to run as a member of parliament, not because I wanted a, a political career, be sure. because I wanted to do things for science. And so what I did was I was, I was approached by the University of Florida, who was uh, looking for a director of their One Health Center. The University of Florida has recently developed this preeminent high recruitment campaign where they recruit um, scientists from different parts of the world and they were looking for someone with my experience and they were offering me a very interesting job and so I, I decided to take it although I had to say to them that I had this investigation which was pending right. um, on my head in Italy. I resigned as a member of parliament, I moved to Florida and after three weeks the judge for preliminary investigation reviewed the papers and said that the facts were non-existent. And okay. so three weeks after I got to the state, I was completely, to the United States, mm -hmm. I was completely cleared from all the accusations. Wow, I mean, that's great. Like, you know, she went to, to, to the University of Florida with this stuff kind of hanging over her head, but, but you know, they, they took a not took a chance on her, but they knew that perhaps that the things yeah, were, they were true and they were confident in her. And yeah, they. I mean, they reached out to her specifically because of her background. And um, she talks a little bit about how grateful she is for the support from that team. I have yeah. to say that I, I have great uh, gratitude mm -hmm. to the University of Florida, to Jack Payne in particularly, and Doug Archer, who are the people who wanted to recruit me. They did due diligence, and what I found quite surprising was the fact that they did a few checks, mm -hmm. and they immediately figured out that it was all fake. And in fact, the investigation was so superficial that they, they mixed up the name of one virus with the name of another virus. And so oh. it was clear that yeah. they didn't really have a grasp of what was happening. Right. And so for lay people, H7N1 and H7N3 are like similar like viruses, yeah. but they're not. They're completely different right. viruses in, in our world. These things happen to scientists. Mm -hmm. um, actually, there's a prize which is awarded every year. It's called the John Maddox Prize, and it's um, in the name of the former um, editor of Nature. And it's about standing up for science. Mm -hmm. And you would be surprised to see how many people are actually um, attacked or um, you know, criminalized for... Uh, doing their science. How do you influence that world now? So, so do you feel a responsibility, having had that experience yourself, to to like continue to advocate for scientists around the world who might be experiencing this? 
So I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have your reputation literally ripped off from mm -hmm. you. And I, I think it's one of the worst things that can happen to you. And that's why I talk about it. Yeah. I mean, it is Im important to share these experiences for how hard it can be, because it's never easy to talk about, sure. you know, this sort of... Um, let's say, bumps in the road that you've had in your life. Um, however, you also have to have the guts to behave as a senior scientist. I am mm -hmm. a senior scientist, and therefore I talk about the difficulties a scientist can encounter because it is part of my job to right. um, inform younger scientists and mentor um other faculty on issues like this. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity to watch all of these young scientists come up to Ilaria after this talk she gave at the European Geosciences Union meeting. Um, and it was really cool to see all these people from at, way outside her field just wanting to talk with her more and share their own stories. And she's clearly an advocate and a mentor. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's it, it also interesting that, like, obviously on this podcast and in AGU, you know, you think of, oh, we, we interview ge geoscientists, you know, in it, Earth and Space Science. <laughs> but but it's so right. broad. It's not just, I mean, I guess the point is that, you know, talking, it, it's not just, I mean, all these science issues are ha people have in common, but we also, you know, geoscientists can help people learn about different, you know, it's, it's not just confined now anymore, right. we realize, to just studying one particular thing and yes. has yes. no so effect on anything else. Like, we we have, like, stuff like geohealth, like, all about how climate change is going to affect people's health. It's, right. like, a big emerging field and things exactly. like that. Yeah, and she actually shared a really good e historical example about how that functions and working across disciplines. So let me give you an example John Snow, who is not the guy of the Game of Thrones, <laughs> but is the father of epidemiology, who was an Englishman who discovered that cholera was transmitted through water. Okay. And he was the person who closed the water pump that was collecting water from the infected basin, and overnight the deaths for cholera stopped. However, what is amusing is that Jon Snow, at his time, didn't know that cholera was caused by a bacterium. I mean, they didn't even have the tools to see what they were fighting, okay? okay? But he had an intuition, and the people who fixed the cholera problem were not scientists. They were the mayor, they were the police officers, they were a series of other people who were not involved in the medical profession and um, actually fixed the problem. Mm -hmm. And so where do, we see it, where do I see us going? I see us going towards solutions that are not going to be driven only by the scientific community. They're going to be driven by other people as well. And that's why we need to engage. And this is something that I think scientists forget to tell their audiences, that we, we are scientists because we believe in a better world. Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and that is what motivates most of the scientists. And we should never forget, forget this, regardless of what people out there say.
So I think that scientists need to reposition themselves as as how they are imagined by society. Mm -hmm. So I would I would like to launch or a call to action to scientists in that okay some of us are nutters some of us are a little bit cuckoo some of us are nerds and geeks but we are people who are motivated and are inspired by curiosity mm -hmm. and about natural mechanisms of how things work and and so I think that we should actually, you know, even if if we we haven't achieved as much as we would have wanted, which happens in life, mm -hmm. but we still have to be proud about being scientists. Uh, of course, not all scientists can be um, super scientists because right. that's how you know distribution works. Some are good, some are better, some are super. But still, it's the critical mass that makes the difference. It's not the individual. So where are you falling on this distribution of scientists, Shane? Are you um, good, better, super? I'm going to go, you're, you're... I'm what? You're good. That's fine. I actually read. <laughs> I'm, I'm less than good considering I'm not scientist anymore, but I should, no, I should put myself down like no, that. No, we're always scientists. We're just yes. not always practicing. Yeah. That's the distinction. Yes. Yes. But in all seriousness, I really like her thought here because it's actually like a lot of what, you know, in terms of the podcast, like it's this critical, like she talked about this critical mass of science. Everyone mm -hmm. has to be doing this stuff in order to move the science forward. And yeah. so you may not be the all-star science, but but you, you're a little piece in this big scientific enterprise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't have to be a big name or whatever else, but there's a reason we do science for this knowledge, right? Yeah. And so who cares who... Like this podcast. We're, like just, this a, podcast. we're just a we're little just... piece of this podcast enterprise <laughs> moving the needle forward. We are doing our part to advance science communication. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's all from Third Pod from the Sun. Thanks so much to Kelly for bringing us the story. And of course, to Alaria for sharing her work with us. Uh, this podcast was produced by Kelly and mixed by Kayla Surrey. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please rate and review us on yes. Apple Podcasts. Um, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, always at thirdpodfromthesun.com. Thanks all. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.